When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Welcome to the latest edition of CLE Rocks, the music podcast from the birthplace of rock and roll. Our guest today is none other than Tommy Lee. You know him from Motley Crue, Methods of Mayhem, and collaborating with a ton of artists. But he has a new solo album coming out called Andro, sort of an EDM hip-hop hybrid. It's pretty dynamic, and I think you guys are going to want to check it out this week that it drops. Now, what's interesting is there's a lot I could talk to Tommy Lee about. There's the fact that Motley Crue won the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, in-museum fan vote, the most recent one, but failed to get nominated band is still not in the rock hall also tommy's new project is something that i was very excited to hear and i'm curious how he did it how long it took him when he decided it was over and why he chose to work with these artists that a lot of people frankly haven't heard of also another thing you you obviously know tommy lee from something or other for you know the past few decades but one thing a lot of people might not know about him is just how positive and upbeat his he is and you won't you won't be able to deny that when you hear this interview. I think he's beaming with positive energy, excitement. And really, I just didn't want to get off the phone with him because it was that inspiring to talk with him. And I got to know more about him in a sense, because as you know, being in Cleveland, uh, one of the artists I cover is Machine Gun Kelly, rapper, pop punker, just released his latest album, Tickets to My Downfall. But he played Tommy Lee in Netflix's Motley Crue, doc, uh, not documentary, but feature based on uh, the group's bio, The Dirt. And one thing Machine Gun Kelly talked about a lot was just how different he is from Tommy Lee. You know, Machine Gun Kelly is this guy who's never been shy about his demons and the darkness that sort of invades his mind. But he was quick to say that Tommy's not like that. He's this upbeat, positive guy. And you really get that sense if you watch The Dirt uh, that is on Netflix. So without further ado, uh, here's my interview with Tommy Lee talking about his new album, Andro. Motley Crue's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame prospects, and if we'll get to see that Motley Crue Def Leppard Stadium tour that was supposed to come to many cities, including Cleveland, this year. Hey, Tommy, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good, dude. How are you? I'm chilling, you know, doing my Midwest thing. You're in L.A.? Yep, in L.A., Midwest, where, like where Midwest? Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> What's the pandemic like for you? Because you were supposed to have this big year with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, playing all these stadium shows. I know, right? Yeah. Um, uh, life is, I mean, you know, for for me, like I, I, I tell people, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I generally don't, I don't leave the house much anyway. Um, you know, kind of 
I'm here kind of, you know, doing my thing or in the studio. So I don't typically leave that much. So I'm not a whole lot changed other than, you know, kind of going out and seeing friends or, uh, you know, going out to dinners and shit like that, but on a social thing. But for the most part, I've just been, you know, home and working on new music and, you know, just kind of living life. But so not a whole lot's changed. Um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to things getting back to this, to normal too, because I, I do miss, uh, you know, going out and fucking playing shows and rocking shit, you know. We had a big summer plan. <laughs> yeah, you guys are supposed to come here for a big stadium show. Yeah, crazy, man. We've never done a stadium tour. And I just, I remember, get, you know, getting a phone call going like, dude, the all the stadiums have, are nearly sold out. And I was like, what? <laughs> this fucking, this fucking, no, I was like, that's fucking crazy. Um, so, yeah, we I'm so excited and then so bummed when it got you know, move back. And I was like, oh, man. It's been a while since we got a proper solo album from you. I'm curious what fueled this creative surge you have going on because I read that you're already working on the next album. <laughs> I know, right? Well, um, yeah, uh, for Andrew, like, well, after Motley was done in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off and I'm not going to do any music. I'm just going to, like, hit the reset button, you know, not be influenced by anything, just just not do music for a year. And I made it almost a year. And then, um, you know, of course, uh, ideas are, are start coming and I just, I just started, you know, you know, started recording and, um, had a, a record done about probably a half a year ago, you know, I, um, finished it and, I was like, God, I, you know, it's exciting, man. I haven't, I haven't done it in a while. Um, you know, I've been busy with, with Motley. So, uh, it was cool to do, man. I had, obviously, I don't know if you've heard the record yet. I had a lot of ideas sitting around here. So it was time to, time to, time to rock them. Listening to the songs on Andrew is definitely all over the map sonically, yet it all kind of winds up working in this weird meshed sort of way. Uh, that's that's cool. Well, when you hear the whole record, it's it, it'll all make a whole lot more sense because it really is all over the place. But when you listen to the record, you're like, oh, it is all over the place. But you know what? It's all right here too, in a way. Like, um, it it what it it won't sound so uh you know left and right when you hear the whole record. You'll be like, oh, I I hear where he's at. One of my favorite songs on the album is Demon Bitches, where you have these two very different artists, Brooke Candy and Moonbounce, who bring contrasting styles. But the fact that you have this back and forth with these two different dynamics is sort of what draws you in. That's so cool that you notice that, dude. A lot of people don't notice that shit. And I appreciate you. That's really cool. And and yes, that is, um, that's one of the, that track's charm uh, is that, that mix between her, you know, bratty ass, uh, you know, fire style, and then you know, Moon Bounce has got almost this prince, princey kind of you know, c cool falsetto vibe. Like that's just they go to what they go well. They go really well together um, when you think they wouldn't. You know, it's uh, I, I, I love that track. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Prince, you cover mm -hmm. when you were mine. It takes. I know you got yeah. it. Like, it takes some balls to cover a Prince song. <laughs> Tell me how that came. Along. I know, dude. 
right? You can't, and and the you cannot fuck that up. Like you, you can't. You like if you're gonna cover a Prince song, you it better be fucking good. Um, right. And I'm, I, I have you heard it yet? Yeah, to be honest, I've heard some of it for sure. Uh, but I'm like everyone else, waiting to hear this thing in its entirety. Oh, man, dude, it's probably one of my favorite tracks on the record. It's fucking insane. Be, be, just because um, what we did to it is okay. It's a, it's a song called "When You Were Mine," and to be to be honest, um, it's not one of my favorite Prince songs because it's just it's kind of really fast and like. Uh, when you were right i mean it's really kind of fast and boppy and and that's a song prince did pretty early on in his career it, yeah but but check it out we did we fucking slowed it down and did this dark sexy as fuck version of it because the lyrics when you listen to it, the lip and i don't know what prince was thinking but the lyrics are super dark um, but it's put to a super fast kind of pop song, and maybe he did that intentionally. I gotta wish I could ask him because I think that's what he did. Because if you listen to the lyrics, it's dark, and and we darkened the the you know the tempo and the, and the feel and the you know instrumentation. And dude, when you hear it, you're gonna be like, holy fuck! It's one of my faves, bro. You know, a lot of people see you as a drummer for Motley Crue, and they don't realize, hey, he's a drummer. He's very familiar with funk, so it's not out of the ordinary that you would be a fan of Prince. No, man, I grew up on that shit. Like, you know, between Prince and Parliament and Funkadelic, uh, the Gap Band, um, Jesus, who else is a jazz band? Like, I was like listening to funk like a long time ago, and just being a drummer because I always just, you know, for some reason, just gravitated towards shit. I gravitate towards anything that had fucking you know sick drum beats or funky beats you know yeah obviously you have a lot of famous friends have collaborated with some big name artists but for this album you worked with a lot of unknown musicians and this you know andrew's gonna be a lot of people's first time hearing these acts yeah and you know i think there's there's something really beautiful about that man because from for me um you know especially now more than ever um there's so many there's so much music out there and there's so many artists out there that that i have been listening to and i'm like i can't believe no one knows about this person like it's almost like there's too much music out there and there's not enough room for people to kind of squeak through and get get noticed um uh so anyway i guess my point is um, I'm a big underdog guy, and uh, and I I you know when I hear something, I'm like, oh fuck, you know why isn't this person huge? And and they need then the people need to hear these people need to hear these artists. They clearly do because um, they're super talented, and nobody may or may not know about them. It's 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 sad, but it's also fun for me because. I feel like, you know, I might, you know, get to give them a, a nice, you know, diving board, uh, you know, into into some territories they may or may not go down, you know? It's cool. You worked on Andro for two years. 
Uh, and when you live with an album that long, I wonder when when did you know or how did you know it was time to call it a rap? <laughs> Dude, that, that is okay. The, um, you just hit the button with me. That's one of the, and it's probably, I would imagine similar for a few other artists, but you just, it's never fucking done. Um, you know, I'm such a fucking tweaker where I'm like, I'll sit here. If you let me, I will keep making fucking changes. And, um, so, um, but for some reason, this guy, um, you know, I, and usually you're making a record in a lot quicker time. This one over a couple of years, um, has, has allowed me that time to really, really tweak it until I'm like, okay, that's the fucking shit. Um, so in this case, which is, was different for me, um, I knew it was done, you know, um, and the tracks that weren't, you know, like I was like, mm, that's not, that's not done. That just didn't make the record. So I had that luxury, I guess time, uh, gives you that. And so that's cool. Um, but, but typically, um, you know, like, you know, after working on a, on a record for, for two years, typically I'd be over it. Um, and with this record, for some reason, dude, I still listen to it. Um, you know, because after working on a record for two years, do you know how many times you listen to each of those songs as you're writing them, re re writing, recording, mixing, you name it, and tweaking? I mean, I've heard them thousands of fucking times. And by that time, you're usually over it. You're like, yeah, it's dope, but I don't really need to hear it again. Um, but in, in this case, I, literally, I still listen to the record all the time and I, and I still dig it, which is rare. <laughs> Andrew is this concept album in that it's divided up into male and female halves, uh, hence the title Andrew. But you didn't start out intending to make a concept record. So how did you get to that point? Yeah, it, exactly. Like in, even with the, with the album title, Andrew, that didn't come until I figured out what the fuck this record was like. Um, because I was trying to put it all together. Um, and I was like, man, I got this really cool record, you know, and I started sequencing it and I'm playing this track into this track and it just, nothing was vibing because I was, I was, you know, I was trying to make it work at, you know, listening from top to bottom and it just, anything that I did just seemed to not kind of jive, I guess. And then once I separated all the female energy tracks and all the male ones, and I listened down to it like that, I was like, this is it. Okay, that's definitely, that, that's it. And that's where Andrew came, you know, sort of, you know, that the half male, half female thing was that, that was like the deciding factor. It all hit. It was like, okay, these aren't meant to be played. Uh, you know, in, in any particular order, they're meant to sort of have their own, their own entity, their own sides of the record and their own space. And, but they dance, you know, uh, they dance together uh, as well. Um, but for, for some reason, separating them just made it uh, just all came together. And at the end of the day, I was like, I don't think anybody's ever done a record like this. And I'm a big fan of like shit that's never been done. Not that I know of, at least where somebody's had a record that's all male kind of vibe uh, and then all female on one side. So that was that, that was um, appetizing too. I was like, you know, this is, I don't think this has ever been done. So and hopefully it hasn't been. And, um, you know, I've delivered something new for people. <laughs>
this is such a unique album. It makes me wonder how you would tour with it. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, yeah totally. Um, it would be, uh, I le- I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just go back a little bit. I learned my lesson in 2000 when I did Methods of Mayhem. Okay, and that record went, was a lot like this one with a ton of collabs, um, but by really big artists and trying to trying to get Snoop Dogg and fucking Little Kim and Fred Durst and Kid Rock and all these people together to do a tour is fucking impossible. Okay, so I I, lear- I learned my lesson there and thought, okay, rather than trying to put together a whole tour. Why don't I just do like um, what? So here's what I I visualize it look like. I'd pick just, you know, major cities. Okay, let's pick like, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine of them. I don't know, 10 max. And I would just get, you know, each of the artists that were on the record that I, I collaborated with just to commit to what would that be? 10 shows. Let's just call it two weeks. I can get probably two weeks out of. Uh, out of somebody to, to 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 commit, I couldn't with methods of mayhem get all these artists to just commit to what six months of a tour going all around the fucking uh, all around the place, you know, plan. That was just that just was never going to work, and I never really kind of thought that through. So um, with this, I could pull it off if I just did like you know uh, a major city rip and just got people to commit to two weeks. I could definitely pull that off. I wanted to ask you this since March when Motley Crue won the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum fan vote. You know, fans obviously want the band inducted. Nikki Six has been vocal about it. What would it mean for you, Tommy Lee, if Motley Crue were to eventually get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You, I, you know, yeah, I saw that. And, and, and I get, you know, Nikki's like, you know what? There's a bunch of people that are in there that don't really, he doesn't agree with. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I might not agree with that either. Um, and it seems like just fucking anybody's in there now. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I get his disappointment with that. But you know what? At the end of the day, for me, dude, it would be a fucking honor regardless because there is a bunch of people that deserve to be there. And, you know, it, I, I, I wouldn't fucking, I wouldn't kick it out of bed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I recall Nikki saying Molly Crew is blacklisted from the Rock Hall because of all the crazy things you guys did in your career. But man, that that can't be a qualifier, right? Because Les Zeppelin, some of these other bands did some crazy stuff in their day. Oh, totally, dude. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with partying. You know, it's just I don't know. You know, Molly's always been that that kind of band that just. You know, A, won't go away, and B is just, you know, with some of those kind of people, um, it's always been, you know, we've always butted heads with uh, with that kind of stuff. You know, people just uh, sometimes don't think that, uh, you know, we're the fucking real deal, I guess. I don't, I don't know, or just, I don't know what their deal is, but, um, you know, who knows, bro? Who knows? You know, I actually think you guys are going to get in one of these days. I look forward to it. And I look forward to the tour with Def Leppard. You know, hopefully you guys can get on the road next year. Yes. I know, dude. I'm fucking dying, man. What a what a fucking what a fucking bummer, huh? To just dangle that in front of you and be like, "Yo, you guys um all the stadium shows are sold out and 
fuck yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we were, I, was, I was so bummed out. I went from doing fucking car wheels around the house to like kicking rocks with my tail between my legs going like, what happened? You know? <laughs> hey, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. At least, you know, you got to finish Andro. Yeah. Yeah. At least Andro's coming out yeah. and uh, Miley's going to, it'll happen in June. So. It's not, and and, it, and you know what? It'll be here before we know it. We'll all be fucking rocking out and like, and being like, yeah, whatever, to a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important that people hear this record because it's funny. You mentioned the Methods of Mayhem project earlier, and I remember when you dropped that, you caught a lot of flack for merging hip hop, you know, with rock, and people were like, "What the hell is Tommy Lee doing?" But then the industry really did go more into that direction. I feel like Andro is a bit of vindication for you. That's so that's so rad that you say that, man. Because I remember a, a couple of my you know musical friends. I mean, guys like Fred Durst, and um, I could go on. Like, I mean, and that's why people were were collaborating with me, especially people from other genres, fucking Wu Tang Clan and Snoop Dogg and George Clinton. They were like, man, Tommy's onto some fucking next level shit. He's throwing shit together that shouldn't be together, and he's the the dudes like um and they a couple of them had told me this they're like this record's ahead of its time man and it, it might not go the way you think it's gonna go and and now that i think about it it was you know slightly ahead of its time and um and that's cool but you, sometimes you miss a lot of people when they're like what's he doing you know what the fuck is he thinking? What is he doing? And, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm all about the, you know, what's, what's new. What sounds fucking rad. Like that's my, that's my whole motivation, man. It's like, I want to hear something that, um, that just moves the shit out of me. It's like, Oh, listen to that. Oh, the sound of this or the beats of this, or, you know, I'm always pushing that, that fucking button, man. Where's, where's the new shit? Now I feel you. Listen, Congrats on the album. I'm glad it's coming out and people are going to hear it. Oh, thanks, dude. I can't wait for you to fucking hear it, man. Because um, um, and I, I know you're gonna you're gonna bug out when you hear uh, the whole thing, um, the way it's meant to be heard, and especially the Prince track if you're a Prince fan. Uh, so enjoy it when you get it. Thanks, Tommy. Take care. All right, man. Hey guys, that's it. Big shout out to Tommy Lee for the interview. You can go get Andro, which is everywhere on October 16th. As always, if you're feeling the podcast, give us five stars wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Come back next week. We got more for you.